think I'm overstating my position on it. All kids love log. Tis the podcast log. Yes, log. Of the Star Wars Collector's Archive log. Oh. Whenever the Star Wars Collector's Archive publishes a new blog, this podcast will log its contents, interview its writers, and go deeper. It's the Kivecast Blog Log Pod. You, sir, are a mouthful. Relax and just take life easy for a little while. Because it only lasts for a little while. All right, Steve, as you know, we don't say our usual welcome whenever we do the blog log pod. No, no, it's a quick hit. It's a quick hit. This is going to be a super quick episode. Um, I totally slept on the first uh, article that came out, the first blog uh, that came out in 2016 in December about NPC model kits. Um, yeah. I totally regret it. I feel like a jerk <laughs> because I, I read it again today and it's just awesome. It really is, yeah. And we're going to talk to two very important people. Um, mm-hmm. The person who I would say, as far as a spot, like our principal sponsor of the show, the person <laughs> whose money has made this show go. I mean, without their yes. financial support, we would not have a, a podcast. We, we wouldn't exist. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to have Mark Enright on, uh, the benefactor. The, the patron of the Kivecast. Uh, and then we'll also have Ron Salvatore, who, who I guess is important to the show too. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't bring the big bucks, you know. <laughs> no. So let's call uh, Ron and Mark and talk about MPC model kits. Wait, first of all, Steve, did you ever build models when you were a kid? Uh, not too much. I had the, the like war, like army stuff, but not so much the model kits. So no. I did not. My dad did though. Oh, My yeah. dad did. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't have the patience at all. But when I was 19, I built a 1994 Chevy Impala uh, Caprice Classic SS Ooh. and painted it purple. And that was the kind of car that shot uh, Notorious B.I.G. on uh, Wilshire and Fairfax in front of the Peterson oh, Automobile Museum. <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's a heavy one. Yeah, if I don't you're know. Gonna build... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're going to make one model. <laughs> if you're going to make one model, you might as well make the Notorious B.I.G. kill car. Okay. Right. Uh, with that said, Steve, I got to open up a window because it's hot in here, and we got to call R- Mark and Ron. Okay, Steve, we are we're here with now, Mark. We we just told the story that you are the primary sponsor of the Kivecast. Did you know that, Mark? I do recall that. Yes. You you are still the only person in the history of the podcast <laughs> who has ever paid for advertising and ever received promotion uh, on on the Kivecast. So that, of course, was for what product, Ron? Uh, Mortarheads. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and there was a jingle, I believe. Yeah, Mortarheads, so Mortarheads. When you are Star Wars characters <laughs> made in cement. You guys are such corporate whores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> such Tell me about it. Corporate Lataras. Yeah, we um, – I, I got to tell you, Mark, uh, you know, so if you don't know, Mark makes – this isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about model kits, but let's just talk about our one sponsor. Um, he paid us $2 back in 2011, 
and uh, that's got him a lot of advertising <laughs> flow. Um, but he makes these uh, Star Wars sculptures made of cement, and uh, I have a Chewbacca in the Chuseum, and I have two – I have a clone trooper and a stormtrooper, and I keep them outside next to my trees. And every Easter, I hide eggs right behind it, and it's the first place the kids go. They know the Morta heads is where they are. So how's it going, awesome. Mark? It's going good. The Chewbacca you have is actually the very first mortar head I ever made. Really? Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's great. And we also have Ron. How are you doing, Ron? Pretty good. How about you? Well, I'm doing well. We're here to right a wrong, and that's what the Blog Log Pod does, which is... You guys are doing that on a pretty regular regular basis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to right wrongs. Writing, writing wrongs <laughs> is kind of the Kivecast thing to do. <laughs> Well, creating wrongs and then writing those wrongs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's not our fault, Ron, that you put out a lot of great stuff. Uh, you put out so much great stuff that it's hard for people to focus on. So we're just trying to snap it together like a snap-tight model kit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's good. I didn't. Well, we haven't put out that much on the blog recently. So with celebration and everything, it's been kind of a, a down period, I guess. But. Well, I, Plus, Steve yeah. is still working on Yehuda's big um, catalog thing. <laughs> yes, that, that is like almost opus. ready. It is an opus. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're here to talk about, about model kits. And Steve and I briefly discussed that neither, neither of us own any of these. Although that's actually incorrect. I'll do a little tease. I do own one of these. Um, but we didn't talk about it when you came out with your first article on the Star Wars set. So you came out with one on the Empire set this week. You came out with a blog log uh, about Star Wars sets back in 2016. So this is my, is my question to both of you. Why should anybody care about Star Wars model kits? Well, I think one, one aspect is why they're fun to collect is it's kind of like you almost have a pre-production item in a box. Usually it's, it's sealed in plastic, so if you decide you want to take the plastic off, so it's got, it's kind of like three, you know, three steps. You can take the plastic off, you can take the, the kit out, it's unbuilt, you know, everything is on the little trees and everything. So it's kind of like you have your own little pre-production item that you can put together yourself. Well, that's, and that, that's the way of thinking of it. You build it after you build it, you can display it. The box art is usually cool on all of them. Of course, the vintage ones. So you can display it, the box, build the kit, hang it from your ceiling. So you, it's kind of, you know, it has a lot of aspects to what you can do with it, I think, as far as putting it in a collection. Okay, and then, and then Ron, as a sort of more intellectual expert, uh, as opposed to less of a collector and more of a historian, why should people I'm, collect... Uh... I think you're way overstating, <laughs> I think you're overstating my position on this. As a Nobel okay. Prize winner in model kit construction and collecting. Um, uh, well, I mean, just, I guess, take it from a personal standpoint, uh, you know, just also co-sounding what Mark said, but... Um, you know, I got into it because, you know, I'm pretty much a toy collector, and I like the Kenner stuff, and it's always just kind of what I focused on going way back. And then um, at some point, I think I started doing research into um, 
the uh, General Mills Fund Group and realized, I sort of realized it already, but just kind of dawned on me, like, the, you know, the other companies that were in that group along with Kenner and that MPC had been one of them. And there was sort of these connections between MPC and Kenner. And I was like, why, why have I never really bothered collecting the model kits, you know? I mean, that's a cool line. Um, I've always loved the artwork. And I started looking at them, you know, on eBay, and then it just kind of feel like, well, these are not expensive, and you could really sort of get them all and have a nice little collection of them, and it ties in with the Kenner stuff. They're they're basically toys. I mean, the model kits have always, traditionally, toy collectors have considered them a toy category, you know, going back to the the monster kits and stuff from the mm-hmm. 60s. So I just started looking for them on eBay and buying the ones that I wanted, and then kind of went from there. Maybe that was like five years ago. Um, and, you know, eventually I ended up getting them all pretty much. Um, and, and it was fun. And, and to me, it's just one of those categories that you could sort of do some damage in and build a nice little collection without, you know, everything in Kenner, on the Kenner side is worth a million dollars, but you can still buy the model kits and they're in sealed condition and they're not that much. And especially the Star Wars and the Empire kits are, as far as the artwork on the boxes go, I mean, it's like pretty much, it's got to be the nicest artwork on products from that era i mean i don't yeah maybe you guys agree or don't agree but there's not much that's quite that nice now now that's a that's a bold statement and and let's sort of describe to people because if you go to the to the archive blog and you see these boxes you'll see why he's saying this um they are not photographs they are all was it like they're all paintings is that right are they like watercolors looks like they're like watercolors oh yeah i don't know most of them are paintings i think there's a few that are Photo art type. I think a lot of the kits. I know, like the airplane kits and that. They use uh, gouache paint. I think it's called. Yeah, okay. It's kind of like opaque watercolor. I mean, that's, maybe that's what they use to to paint them. And if we just yeah, take, I mean, yeah, that's probably right. If we just take as an example, when we talk about the great art, if we take the authentic, they call it the authentic Luke Skywalker X-wing fighter. <laughs> Right. I, don't, I don't know why it's the authentic, um, but the the painting. I think it's because not, not not to interrupt, but I think it's because they actually base those like really on the ILM models like really closely. So I think they really want to play that up. Okay, well we'll, we'll have to come back to that. Remind me of that, Steve. Um, okay. But if you look at the artwork, it's got this amazing X-wing coming right at you with some fairly sophisticated foreshortening, a beautiful portrait of Luke to the upper right, in which the robes of his Jedi uh, tunic fold into the clouds, and <laughs> and there's a, a, a Vader image in front of the Luke and Leia together, but Luke and Leia look different than they usually do. Leia's a little bit more active, a little bit less passive. And the Vader is actually looking down at an angle that you never see him look at. It's actually kind of yeah. like, like the angle when he's like checking the robes of Obi-Wan's corpse. Um, right. yeah. and, and it's got I, the, the racetrack. It really is beautiful art. What are you going to say, Ron? A couple of cool things about the, the Star Wars stuff. If you look at the, like the I guess it's, we call it the Hildebrandt Luke and Leia, which yeah. is used on the Kenner stuff, is also used on the NPC stuff, but it's not a consistent image, so on each mm-hmm. box, the artist drew a different Luke and Leia, so it's actually different on each one, which is kind of neat. Um, and then even outside the Star Wars stuff, I don't know you know, how Mark feels about it, which one is his favorite, but the, to me, the Empire packaging, like that Snowspeeder yeah. and the Slave One, I mean, that Snowspeeder is super nice, I think. It's almost as nice as a Macquarie. Yeah. Um, it's just, as far as, you know, licensed packaging art goes and to me that's some of the nicest stuff out there from that era so to me that's one of the great reasons to collect that line 
Well, well, you you could sell me. Yeah. I mean, after Celebration Anaheim, Steve and I were talking all about the Hildebrand image and where it came from, and we were obsessed with it. Remember, Steve? We we were going oh, to like, yeah. do a compendium of every time it was ever done, and then we totally dropped it. Um, <laughs> so here's a return after Celebration Eight. Writing, writing the wrongs, guy. <laughs> writing the wrongs. Uh, nice callback. Um, but yeah, these these two art- these two articles go together. So we're going to go back and forth between the Empire and and the Star Wars, and they're they're yeah. both linked. Um, but uh, yeah, so when, when you say the snowspeeder, seeing this article helps me because I actually found an unpainted snowspeeder a couple of years ago, and I had no idea where it came from or what it was. And it's a really nice toy, but it was it was one of these model kits, and so now I know. Yeah. Now more, yeah, I mean the kits yeah. themselves are pretty nicely detailed, you know. So if you ever actually yeah, see definitely. one outside the box, it's they did a pretty nice job on them for the most part. Have you ever built one, Mark? Yeah, I built a few. My my idea was when I first started collecting them was to keep one sealed, build one to display, but I kind of ran out of room after a while, and I just decided just to collect them, build one, you know, occasionally. But uh, yeah, that's. Some, once you build them, a lot of the, especially once they got into the Empire, with the kind of the, the Hoth scene and the Rebel base, they kind of take up a lot of space because the kit itself is kind of like a little diorama, yeah. and it takes up as much space as the box itself. So you really got to have some good space to start displaying them all once you build them. Right. And do do you basically have a complete collection, Mark? I do. The only thing I. Well, I definitely have a complete collection of just the MPC releases, yes. But I kind of, once I discovered that they had different releases, like in the UK and in France and Mexico, I started tracking down like every variation for every country. And that's, that was the, the tough part. The only one I don't have really, and I haven't even ever seen one, is Lily Letty. There's a X-Wing fighter and Darth Vader's TIE fighter. Oh, my. Wow. Well, that's cool. I mean, we'll have to talk, Mark, on, like, I was thinking of maybe doing a, after the Jedi one, maybe doing one about the foreign stuff, and I don't really know that much about it, so we'll have to sort of uh, yeah, there's not, talk about that. There's not a lot, um, yeah, there's definitely not a lot out there, because I kind of just, I know I found in the old Star Wars Insider a few years back that Steve Sansweet had did a list of all the model kits. Mm-hmm. But it was even that wasn't even complete to what I found eventually. I mean, ten yeah. years later. But there's, I think the the foreign kits are definitely not very. You know, they're not people haven't really, um, what's the word? You know, written down the history of all those kits and where they came from and what exists. Yeah. So well, kind of like I was seeing in the good picture. Mark, you're 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 kind of the man. I mean, if if you're like finding all this stuff now and you're like working hard to publicize it, I mean. I mean, th- this stuff is great. I mean, I'm looking at, at – I'll put up the picture in the show notes and the, the live version of the show of Mark's little closet here of all the R2-D2 and C-3PO's. And he's got the MPC and he's got clippers and he's got – looks like Meccano in there too. And it's just like Kenner art in terms of how cool it is to see those little logos. Um, and he's just mm-hmm. sort of like hiding out there in California, just like amassing this amazing collection. <laughs> and I, I think, I think when people see this, Mark, they're, I mean, they're really going to, you know, I want that, you know, that's sort of what, at least what I say when I see it. Yeah. And a part of, I don't know, people probably pick up on it a little bit. I kind of make a joke out of it by making fun of collectors, you know, lightheartedly, hopefully in the, in the post, but 
you know, part of the mission of the the, the blog post I've been doing is to kind of alert collectors to these areas that don't no one pays attention to, and because to me the hobby is a little bit too focused on you know Kenner figures basically you know which is fine but it's it gets a little bit <laughs> like samey after a while it's like well yeah. there's these other things you can buy you know and you don't have to break the bank you know and you could have a nice little collection you know mark's a a good example of a guy who's done that who's built this you know world-class model kit collection and you know has probably not mortgaged his home to do it um <laughs> so you know there are still areas not, out there that you can yet. hit like that yeah, not quite yet. Although you may have to buy your Mortarheads ad. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> yeah. so the, the fees are pretty steep. <laughs> we're coming up on a renewal still... uh, on our 10-year anniversary. We're going to actually bump it up to three bucks. So yeah, <laughs> three bucks. Oh man. Oh, and, and just on the foreign stuff too. I'm sure Mark probably has them, but the the ones I picked up recently that I really like are the the two Japanese, which I guess it's Takara slash. It was. Oh geez, is it Rydell? I think I think it was Takara Rydell. Uh, Ravel. It's a Ravel. Ravel. Sorry, that's right. Not Rydell. Ravel. Um, and they did a, the motorized. Was there an R two D two and an X wing that had little motors in them or something? Huh. Yeah. The yeah, box art is like different. Uh, I really thought those were pretty cool. Yeah, and the R two kit itself is even it's smaller than the MPC one. It's like a totally mm-hmm. different kit altogether. Which is also cool. Yeah, I really like those. Um, you know, stuff like that. And also, there's those wooden ones that they did in Japan, um, which are like wood model kits, which I don't have, but I've always thought those are really neat. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely, and, and some of them, I think the German ones have the actually say Kenner on them. Um, hmm. so yeah, they do. Also, pretty cool. Yeah, well, this is, I mean, this is one of those articles where, well, actually, both of these articles, you look through it and you just get really excited by seeing things that maybe I think everyone has seen these things before. This isn't like these are unseen, but I don't think, you know, you can see without looking, you know what I mean? Steve? Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, you they're, know, they're, they're we, we talked about this in one of your old podcasts when you guys had never seen that stamp collecting kit yes. <laughs> you yeah. around the it's, hobby and never be aware of that thing. It's the but same. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, there's a lot of categories like that where it's like, oh, you know, yeah, I've, maybe I've scrolled past it on eBay or seen it, and I've never just paid attention to it. And I think the model kits are like that. You know, people are aware of them, but they have never really sat down and looked at like how cool some of those things are, or you know, thought about you know the variations and whatnot. Now, and I, these vans, the vans, just I, I was going to get into amazing. that. Amazing, uh, yeah, Ron, um, Ron, and Steve. So Steve. Uh, I know that Ron is basically the editor of the blog, but I think you're sort of the co-editor. So you need to keep him on his chain, man, because he went off. He <laughs> went off about this movie from 1977 about a van. And oh, it's, the van is a classic. <laughs> I love it, Ron. I'm just saying you're losing the people, you know? It's like when I start talking about 17th century philosophy. It's like uh, – well, <laughs> you can't. You just can't. Uh, once you get into the van topic, you, you know, it's just like a black hole. You know, yeah, cultural hole. But <laughs> it see, keeps like, going and going. There are multiple seventies how... movies about vans. There's another one yeah. called like, like Super Van, which is not nearly as good as the van. But oh, right, yeah. It's just the the proximity to the release of Star Wars and the van is is the thing that's just like blowing my mind. They're like right one after the and, other. And, 
If you look up, yeah. if you're interested in like bizarro Star Wars publications, there are several custom van magazines that did like special Star Wars editions, you know, just yeah. on custom vans. Yeah. And that must have been, um, the, the people like Kenner and NPC must have been like a giant light bulb must have went off on their heads because like, oh, we've already released van toys. Now we can just go grab those and, and put them out, you know, with Star Wars graphics. And I think yeah. Mark actually pointed yeah. out to me the actual NPC product that was recycled to make those NPC vans. Um, so yeah, it started out as a ultra van. And it was kind of <laughs> like a convertible van. Kind of a space-age convertible van. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, and you then need one they, of those. <laughs> they added the dome, like the, the kind of the, ex, the TIE fighter, like windshield dome on top of that. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then, and then they just created the Star Wars decals, and then there you go, you got your Star Wars van. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, these these vans are some of the nicest things here because they do just reek so much of the 70s. Uh, oh, yeah, I've, actually, yeah. you want a real deep cut on the van topic? Okay. Here, here's, here's a deep cut van topic. Um, I was at our friend Fluffy's house a while back, and okay. he's got oh, this giant um, archive of, like, Kenner paperwork and stuff that came from people involved with Kenner marketing and all these things. Just actual paperwork. Just stuff that he's never even looked at. And I'm going through it for like two hours and I pull out this, this memo that was, you know, initialed by all these people at Kenner. It was probably 78. And there was this, this guy had contacted Kenner. This dude with like the, the most awesome Star Wars custom van. And he wanted to bring the van. He offered for free to bring the van to Toy Fair as this promotional thing. And like some of the people at Kenner have been like, oh, this is a great idea. We'll be able to tie this into whatever. And then I, I want to say at the bottom there was a note that was like, nah, we're not going to do this. But I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> this is like the actual real history of this guy, you know, you know, the getting to Kenner people and offering his van as a promotional thing at Toy Fair. See, I feel like, like these, has anyone ever done a, a life-size NPC Star Wars van like that would be an awesome thing to see at Celebration oh, yeah. with all those other other cars like that's that's what I want to see when I go to Celebration it has an R2-D2 but... dome like on the top of the van like like yeah. the R2-D2 in the X-Wing yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like controlling the van yeah it's it's so it... maybe someday if I can convert my minivan yes yeah that Star Wars yeah. van like once it's just totally beat to death and it has, right. doesn't run anymore I'll just park Which, it in the back uh... and start <laughs> Fabricating fiberglass to it. And yeah, which which uh, which model would you go with if you were if you were to do that? <laughs> um, you know, so, I yeah. Think... So there were three vans. There's the R2D2 yeah. van, which is super. Okay, they're all super rad. But the R2D2 is super rad because it has a dome and has a picture of R2D2 and a red and yellow banner around it. There's a Darth Vader one, which is super duper rad. That looks kind of like the Inspector Gadget mobile, but it's it black. Does. It, it and totally and does. he's got the red lightsaber and he's got like a, a red cape. And then Luke just looks totally derpy with this gun shooting <laughs> forward in like this kind of weak looking white van. Um, all, all three of them are, are absolutely spectacular. And I was just yeah. – just for fun, I was looking up and trying to see how much would it cost me to put together a sealed set of Star Wars – NPC uh -oh. vans, not, not uh -huh. that much, man. No, and it would it would be. It seems like it's not like all day every day we could get you know each one for fifty bucks, if not less. Yeah, so, probably yeah. you could do it for under a hundred. I bet if you know if you waited thirty bucks or so. Um, yeah. yeah. But the interesting thing about those, the rated one. 
Yeah, there's, oh, yeah, there's right. one in TFA for 250 bucks, except there's a gigantic <laughs> sticker over Luke's face. So it completely ruins the box art. It's like... Uh... Well, the interesting thing about those is that if you look at the catalogs, and the, that, that was those were still available as of like 81. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they ever reissued them with the stickers. Cause I don't know, maybe Mark has, but I've never seen one with a sticker, one of those ESB stickers on it. But they were still in the catalogs in 81. So that's one of the questions I had. No, they... It, yeah, go ahead. They uh, let's see. It was after well after eighty one. That's eighty. I think in the eighty one catalog. That's when it became the. They turned it into an ambulance, the Super Saver <laughs> ambulance. Oh okay. Yeah. So that's probably why it didn't get it didn't get the. I think the van craze had kind of cooled off. So they said, okay, it's time to put the vans to bed. Let's uh, make it an ambulance. <laughs> right. Well, there was a show called Emergency. Was that? I can't remember what year that was, but I remember that there was like a show that had something to do with ambulances and stuff. So I wonder if that tied into that a little bit. Yeah, they always had some kind of paramedic vehicles and stuff like that in their line. So they probably just figured, oh yeah, we'll just make another ambulance. Because mm-hmm. I think Emergency, like I said, it was around that time period too. So and yeah. chips and all that stuff. So. Now, when when we talk about re-releasing, it is pretty interesting that all of the Star Wars kits appear to be released as Empire kits, just with Empire Strikes Back stickers slapped on them haphazardly, um, which is yeah. is pretty nice. Um, it makes for a cool variation, yeah. collectors-wise, anyway. I mean, it's kind of neat. Like, I, I talked to Mark about this a little bit. I don't think anyone's ever seen the Vader figure one, um, but it presumably it's out there because it's in the 81 catalog, which is... You know, a couple of years yeah, after, seen, you know, so. I've seen pictures of one. I've, I've purchased one off eBay before, and then when I received it, it wasn't that kit, but it does exist. Someone had a picture of it at some time, but yeah, I guess well, if that, the that, shrink wrap comes off, once the shrink wrap comes off, it's no longer the variation. So. Okay, so yeah. the sticker was on the shrink wrap. So so that's sort well, of Well, some your... of them are on the actual box. I mean, at least some of the ones I have are below the shrink wrap, which oh, is really? interesting. Yeah, but that's yeah, a lot of them are on the outside, too. Wow, so it it seems like that's the sort of holy grail of model kits is an Empire Strikes Back sticker on a Star Wars Darth Vader figural NPC model kit. Is that right, Mark? For, yeah, for that's, uh, uh, American that's stuff. That's one I, I forgot. I actually don't have that one with the sticker on it. That's the one I don't have either, of oh, the NPC line anyway. Okay, well, you know what? We probably should cancel this interview, Steve. He's not really that much <laughs> of an expert. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have a all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and these articles, in addition to Ron's uh, uh, speculating about the nature of um, vans, it has a lot of great Ron writing and Ron discovery of of the way things used to be written about. So, Steve, <laughs> it seems to me that when they talk about this giant snap-together Darth Vader, in yeah. the MPC catalog they refer to him as oh, right. the death star's fallen angel yeah yeah <laughs> weird so, uh, it so, seems like uh, very prophetic <laughs> it is prophetic and it, it seems like they must have watched star wars and obi-wan be like he was a friend of mine before he turned to the dark side like right, okay right <laughs> he's satan which which means do you know what luke should have said to darth vader the first time he met him are you an angel? That would have been that would have been the perfect line. Oh, it all comes together. That's the tie-in. That's the yeah. tie-in. And and then there's an amazing 
maybe my favorite of all the great funky 70s and 80s writing. Um, the kit that obviously I need to get because there's a few scenes in Empire that I'm obsessed with. Um, and one of them is Luke and Yoda in the hovel. Oh and, yeah, and so this yeah. is this is a model kit, and it's got R two D two being the per you know peeping Tom perv looking in the side with a sensor scope out, <laughs> and and he's peeking in, and then um, Ron, how do they describe uh, Yoda? Uh, everybody's man of the year. <laughs> it's just so random and weird. There's nothing correct about that. Everybody's man of the he he's not a man, and he doesn't seek glory. It's like man of the year. Yoda. I mean, you sort of get what they're what they're getting at. Like they could have said everybody's favorite new licensed character, or everybody's or something, but man of right. the year. Is yeah. so everybody's favorite man of the year. Like there's several mans of the years, but this is everybody's favorite. Um, yeah. But one thing that the the, the the Empire bit makes clear is that NPC got a lot more ambitious, and they made these kind of larger kits. Um, yeah. Like the rebel mm -hmm. base. I mean, how big is the rebel base, Mark? If you put it on a table, um, it's well. The base itself is the same size as the box, which is probably like about twelve or thirteen by maybe fifteen, twenty. Okay. I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty good sized box. Yeah. Uh, that Yoda box. I don't have one too. in front of me. Yeah. It's like for that for the rebel yeah, base kit. The, the catalog image, are those supposed to be Y-Wings in the little hangers? I was like, what, trying to figure out what those yeah, were exactly. Yeah, those are Y-Wings. Yeah, okay, y just missing, missing, the, missing the little, whatever you want to call them, the tail pieces. Are there Y-Wings in the movie, like visible? I can't even remember. I don't, I don't think so. The Empire? No. I don't know. Well, they were there according to MPC, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of look. There should have been a van yeah. back there. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of vans. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just want to add some variety to it because if, if it was all one type of ship, then someone would complain. I only right. got X-wings in my rebel base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And and so there there will be a Return of the Jedi feature. Is that right? Yeah, I'll I'll get around to it and I'll talk to um Mark about making sure the all the my list is correct, and then we'll try to do a four in one, I guess. But I'll, I'll need needed to rely heavily on Mark's uh, checklist for that one because I don't necessarily have a lot of those. So, but that that just okay. talking here tonight makes me think that that would be a really good one. Yeah, and I yeah, that'd it, be cool. It seems like the Return of the Jedi is going to be the worst. Yeah, you know, I hate yeah. to say it, but the boxes are just not as cool. I mean, if they went to <laughs> photography and. I think the model kits were still really cool, but I don't think the the packaging yeah. just is not nearly as impressive. And plus, those things were re-released re like uh, forever, it seemed like. And the Empire ones were too. Um, but, you know, and plus, some of the Return of the Jedi ones are just reissues of the Star Wars. So they like redid the X-Wing and the Millennium Falcon mm -hmm. and new packaging. So. Right, right. But the, yeah. the main difference is that they went from painted art to just sort of stock Lucasfilm photography, like so much Jedi stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's got yeah. that Jedi look to it where it's just like silver and red like so many other yeah. other things were, you right. know, which is just kinda like, oh, Adam Joseph colors. But if anyone can make it interesting, yeah, it'll be it'll be you two guys because and some uh, of those things are not super easy to find. Like I had a tough time with the the, the Imperial shuttle in the original re, non reissue box. I mean, it's not like super rare. Yeah. But it, it took me a while to find that one. Um, 
In fact, Mark, what were some of your the, the hardest ones you had to find um, outside of the variations? You know, just regular issue ones. Um, I think, you know, also for me, the shuttle Tidarium, it took me a long time to find a good sealed one of that, too. Um, and also the the Empire, the base ones, the mm-hmm. the yeah. battle on uh, Planet Hoth, like that one, like finding a good one, because the boxes were really flimsy, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finding a good sealed one that's not all, like, totally crunched, that was really difficult yeah. to find. But the tough ones for me were... The, the shuttle, um, the uh, Rebel base in the original issue box without the Ertl logo on there. Yeah. And then the the Star Destroyer I had a tough time finding, too, in the non-reissue box. Um, and also the Falcon. I still don't have a Star Wars Falcon without the Empire sticker. Hmm. Um, I, I guess just, you see them sometimes, but the people want, people want a lot of money for them. just not really willing to pay it. Yeah, you think... You'd think that the Falcon it would it would command a lot of money, but I think people think that way because it's so big. Yeah. But you know, when it costs like forty dollars to ship it, I don't think people really buy them that often unless yeah. they're really looking for a certain one or a certain variation yeah. they want. It. My experience was that most people just want to get it to build it because there's just so many of them. There's probably not a lot of people just collecting them to collect them. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I mean, I found that you see the Empire stickered one, and you can get it for under a hundred once in a while. But the the one without the Empire sticker, I still haven't had a chance to buy one at a decent price. But eventually, it's the same. It's almost the same thing. So it's like we have to buy the same thing twice just to have one without the Empire sticker. Yeah. So I'm not sure it's something I really care that much about. But um, yeah, yeah it's like, Destroyer was I never. Start, though. Yeah, I never bought the the one without the Empire sticker because I had the one with the Empire sticker. I forget the same thing. Just like the there's a Meccano one that has a Meccano oh, yeah. sticker, but it's but it's a Canadian box. Wow. So oh, I never I never tracked down I never tracked down a Canadian box because I figured well, I mean they're really hard to find anyway. But I figured well I have this one Meccano one. The only difference is it has this little Meccano sticker on it. So yeah. Did any of you guys at all build them when you were younger, like as a kid? Hell no. No, no. I yeah. mean, dude, Lego was above my capacity. Yeah, so. I, I was, uh, yeah, similarly, like, not skilled whatsoever. In when terms, I was a I just, kid, yeah. someone bought me the R2, and I remember being like, oh, this is going to be awesome, I'm going to build this thing. Oh, man, I must have been like eight. I, I took that thing out, and I swear, I, I, all I remember is that the glue made the chrome on his head run if you were sloppy with it, and I was, like, super sloppy with it, and that whole thing just had fingerprints on it of, like, chrome. <laughs> and it, it, God, it looked terrible. I don't think I ever got it put together. But when I was older... The R2... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the R2, yeah, the R2 was hard, because I did the R2 as well, but I did the C3PO first. I remember building it with no instructions, even. It was just you glue its parts together, and then you put a big rubber band inside to kind of bind it all together. Yeah, it I remember that. It was really it's easy. funny I remember that, yeah. And it had, like, tools. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a door on the chest that opens, and it's got little tools you have to glue in there. It's just like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. At one point, I was just like, screw it. I just kind of glued the doors shut, and that was it. I'm, oh, it's done. <laughs> yeah, but when I was older, probably... Jeez, 18 or so. I, I think I built a, a, a few of them, and they came out pretty well. You know, they came out really nice. I mean, 
some of those, you, you, I sort of made fun of the snap kits because I always look down on those for some reason. I'm like, oh, the snap kits, it's a snap kit. But um, so that's without really, the ones, that you, the ones you glue together are not little kid sort of things. Like, it would be tough yeah. for a little kid to do a good job yeah. with some of those. So you can see why they made easier to put together ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think well, as, as time went on, kids got less and less able to build them, so they just kind of they dumbed them down and said, okay, let's do more snap kits. Yeah, and I remember reading some stuff about the, the, the guy who did the, the famous toy sculptor, Bill Lemon, who did some of the Star Wars figures, and he, he started in model kits. And I remember reading about him complaining they transitioned to snap kits because they, hmm. they, the sculpts were less complicated and it allowed that the sculptor was more constrained because they had to make these easy to snap together things and so mm-hmm. you know i think that was a transition that was going on in model kits to, to try to get younger kids to take part and that you know in some ways it was probably good in other ways it probably impacted the quality of those things yeah yeah definitely well i i think uh i think for this blog log pod we need to send people to the blog um you yeah. haven't even seen the image of luke chewy and han on the falcon it's one of the best painted images in all star wars collecting uh, i'm i'm getting swept up i think i might have to buy the the pervy yoda um there's lots there's uh there's i mean everybody's man of the year awesome well we actually have to go record the episode of the podcast that came before this one which we have to get ready to record <laughs> well, you, you know what actually while while we before we go let's actually talk about what mark's current work is so okay. are you still making mortarheads at all mark uh i do but um i kind of transitioned from mortar and been using more resins just because okay. it's easier to paint and it's a little more sturdy. I don't have to worry about it breaking so easily. It's easier to demold them because it's not going to snap or crack or anything. But you've also and been making the, masks. Like, yeah, I started making latex masks about a little over a year ago. And so far, I just finished cool. the snaggle tooth. So yeah, I did it is a... Uh, yeah, I saw one of them at the last get-together, and oh man, they are just awesome. <laughs> yeah, they are true vintage figure masks. They look like, imagine how you wish a mask would look to look like a vintage walrus man, okay? So like, picture in your head exactly how you'd want to look in your ideal world, and that is exactly how good Mark made these masks. So uh, it's also good we have you on, on for that as well. Um but uh, if you, you make the, a, a, yeah. a Jasper Nixon Max, Max? <laughs> Jasper J. Nixon, he could. Uh, I like kind of like the, in the style of those like president masks, those really flimsy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on my short list. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thank you guys so much. Thank you for shedding uh, light on the world of Star Wars models. I think no collection is complete unless you have them. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you so much. I mean, of course, my collection's incomplete, so. Um, but uh, thank you <laughs> so much for sharing that. I hope that we've righted or wrong, and I probably said a few things that were wrong that we'll have to write next month. So thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Right, thank talk you. to you later. Nice talk.